Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside Mentors Minds, where we dive deep into epic humans' minds and how they got to where they are today. And today we have a very special guest, a dear friend of mine, and his business has completely transformed my life, um, Johnson Tan. Welcome, Johnson. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, this is awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, so for the listeners, you have an amazing facility, which I would love to get into a little bit later. But first, I'd like to start on you. Um, will you just give the listeners a little foundation of like, how did you get to where you are today? What was the storyline? And I don't even think I know it fully from like, back before even um, you worked on the pipelines and that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I am actually a mechanical engineer by degree. Um, and I graduated out of Loughborough University, which is in the UK. Um, I have been passionate about sports and fitness since I was a kid. So I'm one of those kids that didn't do as well in school and was always out playing and just wanted to get my hands on any um, ball or get sport. So for the most part, more of a jack of all trades where I would play almost any sport didn't particularly excel or pursued any one sport um, for very long but the sport that I grew up with mostly was basketball uh, and then when I got to university I was too short to play basketball um, I'm six foot tall yeah I was gonna say so really I, you're too short <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like in in Asia like because I'm from Malaysia so at six foot tall I would play center which would be the tallest position but when I got to university in the UK, the point guard was taller than me. Uh. And the point guard is the shortest position on the team. And so I, I just like didn't know how to play positions because they would always put me in a shorter position that I wasn't familiar with. So mm. I couldn't, I, I never really pursued that sport. Uh, and I ended up playing volleyball for my university. Um, after I graduated, I came back home to Malaysia and I got into I got into CrossFit during my first year of um, university. So that was in 2007, 2008. Um, and yeah, so that kind of became my main sport after I graduated. And I did, uh, I did that for almost 10 years, competed for about six and a half, uh, specifically in CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting. And so I graduated in 2010, and my first job was working in a local gym back home in Malaysia. And uh, I did that uh, for about nine months before I took on an engineering job uh, in the oil and gas industry. Because at that time, I figured like I've graduated, I've got this degree that I spent three years in, and I thought I had to like, give it a shot, you know. Like, I was never really very interested in engineering. Actually, uh, I chose to go to Loughborough University because it's the number one sports university in the UK. This is where the, the, the British Olympians actually train in. It's oh, like okay. a really well decked out facility. It's, it's amazing um, what they have there. And so I went there for the sports facilities, not for the engineering department. <laughs> uh, but I mean, given the grant that at that time when I went in there, engineering department was like the 11th, something. So they were still doing, you know, it was still a pretty good university. Um, so yeah, I started oil and gas. Uh, I started working in the oil and gas industry in 2011. And uh, 
two and a half years into it, I, I worked, I started with a small local company and we were working on a national project um, there for a big national project. And uh, two and a half years later, I started my own oil and gas business um, doing mainly uh, construction and supply. And I did that up to 2017 where I left the industry and moved to Bali and pursued my, uh, my personal interest and passion, which was coming back to the fitness industry. So I opened up a facility here in Bali called uh, Nirvana Strength. Uh, which you are very familiar with and I yeah. see you every day in. Man, I spend, I was just thinking this before we got on the phone. I spend, that's my second place I spend the most time other than my home. <laughs> I spend so much time there, man. Yeah. But happily. I, I know people who spend, like, if you don't count sleep, I know people who spend more time in the gym than they do at the office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of people will always say, like, man, if you had accommodations here or if you had beds here, like, that's it. Like, I'm moving yeah. in. I'm not, I'm never leaving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that takes me to Bali and uh, opening up Nirvana Strength. I, I always knew that I was going to come back into um, the fitness industry. Um, yeah, my passion really lied in teaching and educating on health and wellness and so going to oil and gas was really a means to generate a financial independence to be able to do what i'm doing today so uh, overall the plan kind of all you know fell in place as, as i thought of it early on man that's so cool um so that's something we i don't know if you know this uh, but something we share in common is uh i took civil engineering Oh, sweet. No, yes. I think you mentioned that before. Yeah, we've had this kind of conversation before. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I, same thing. I, I actually remember I got my um, schedule, my course. I can remember the first day of college. And I looked and I was like, there's no PE, physical education. Where, where's the fun? There's no fun classes. It's all about like engineering and all this stuff. I'm like, there's, I don't literally have one fun class. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, so you said you um, went to that university for um, mechanical engineering, but why didn't you go into like sports therapy or why didn't you go into anything to do with uh, sports and what you're passionate about? Oh, my heart hurts when you ask me this. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you the story of the time I was in university. So I, I always, now I can laugh about it, I was definitely in the right place doing the wrong course. Um, unfortunately, I'm Chinese and I okay. grew up with a Chinese family. And so growing up, you're either a doctor, lawyer, an engineer. Um, mm -hmm. I, I didn't care to be a doctor or a lawyer. So um, when I was young, I was quite, um, what is the right word? Uh, kinem kinesthetic? I think it's kinesthetic, kinematic. Um, I like working with my hands. Okay. So yeah, um, I think at the age of like seven or nine, I had, like took my mother's, um, my mom's vacuum cleaner apart because it wasn't working and she was like I'm gonna send this and send this in for a certain I took it apart and pieced it back together and I cleaned it out and it started working at the age of 11 I built my first uh, computer I pieced together my first computer and so I was always very like hands-on I like fidgeting like I couldn't sit still and I just like you know hang on and messing with things and trying to understand how things work 
And so my dad really suggested for me to go into mechanical engineering. Now, um, when I was going through my A-levels, I wasn't, again, I wasn't keen on studying when I was growing up. I didn't do very well uh, and things like that. Um, where I excelled was more on math, uh, and Chinese apparently, so I do well with that. <laughs> Guaranteed. Um, You're born yeah, with sciences, the math Yeah, sciences wasn't very good. It was a big, like studies was a, it was really tough for me. It really took a lot of effort for me to, um, to get through my A-levels. And uh, even, even then, uh, I remember in my A-levels, because it was a year and a half, I had spent so much time in tuition outside of classes. So like post-class, I would still go home and have tuition because I need so much help to like stay on track. And I still ended up with like a B and two Cs. Huh. Wow. So it was, it was tough. It wasn't, uh, yeah, I just... And uh, for, for me, I kind of tense, like information tends to take some time for me to absorb. So I always, I, what I realized was what I studied this year, I found it so hard to uptake that and absorb that in. But when I move on to the next year and I start doing next year's work, I'm thinking, oh, this stuff is quite easy because we did it last year, but I didn't recognize that. Mm. I, and I always think like, why don't I just get it? in the year before so I do well in my exams and not like do poorly and then come out to the next year and then find it easy and it's always been that trend so I think information tends to take some time to like make sense to me yeah um so when I went to Loughborough um the, the compromise thankfully they had a low entry requirement for me I don't know for whatever reason but I had a low entry requirement but when I went to Loughborough um I love the facility. I hung out with all the kids who did um, sports science and therapy, and I was learning off them than I was like more than I was actually attending my classes, I would say. Like, um, I don't know if you had the same experience, but in the first week, you kind of have, uh, you have this week where you can go to any class you want and figure out what you want to do and things like that. I did not attend a single engineering class, and I went to all the sports, uh, sports science classes. Wow. And then, so at the beginning um, of my degree, I was, I was telling my parents, like, I'm doing the wrong course and I want to move to either sports science or to physiotherapy. Um, and they said, no. They yeah. said, you're, you're there with a purpose to do engineering. And, you know, it's like, you won't make too much money. There's not a very good career line when you get, when you graduate and blah, blah. And then I was like, okay, I'll stick it out and just see, because you know, at that time I was like, it's only been a week. I don't, I haven't actually been to a single engineering class, so I don't really <laughs> know what it's about. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I stuck it out for the first year. Uh, at the end of the first year, I told my parents the exact same thing. I'm doing the wrong course. I know I gotta go into sports. And they're like, no, you know, we've really gone through one year, just stick it out for two more years, you'll be done. And, uh, yeah, and so after the second year, I was like, I'm sure I'm on the wrong course. Like, I, I know. Like, so every year I told them the exact same thing. Like, I'm sure I'm the wrong course. I'm in the right place, but I, I got to, like, start shifting over to, like, something that I don't want to be good at. And uh, my parents, you know, every year was like, you've, you've been through one year. You've got two more years to go. You've been through two years. you got one more year to go. Just mm -hmm. stick it out and be done. And you, know, you can do whatever you want after you graduate and so by the time I got to the third year, I was like, I still told them the exact same thing. I'm doing the wrong course. In fact, 
after I finished my last exam, my uh, my family was in the UK and we were going to take a trip together. And after I finished the last exam, I told them I did the wrong course. Wow. <laughs> like I finished my degree and I told them I did the wrong course. Like this is like I knew that um, I, I could make it as an engineer, but it's not something that I loved. And I think deep down, I really knew what, what I wanted to pursue and what I want to do. It's just that I wasn't paying for my degree. So I didn't, Yeah. I would say that I would have a say, but my Asian parents would say <laughs> otherwise, you know? <laughs> and so again, like no regrets though, because um, at the end of the day, that degree helped me to pursue my own guest business and career, which helped build a lot of financial independence to help me do what I'm doing. I think the career line would have been very different if I just went down sports. Um, I think the struggle may have been uh, harder, I would say. Uh-huh. Yeah, so no regrets. That's really, uh, that's really interesting. I think that there's some um, good uh, lessons learned in that story. Yeah. Um, so then we go into, this is really fascinating, right? Because you, it's, I find you really interesting in this way because you're someone's like, I don't retain information that well. I don't do that well. But yet I see you working at, in your business and it really, you would not guess that. This is not something you would guess about yourself. And then to go pursue, and I guess from, you did oil and gas for, for about like six or seven years, right? Um, yeah. How were you able to then start up your own business? And from my understanding, your business was pretty successful as well, right? Yeah, we did pretty pretty well, I would say. So um, how, my how, business was... Sorry, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, so like, how does one not have uh, the studious ability, but then have the ability to start your own business? Yeah. Um, So in school or growing up, I would say that I'm not book smart. And it's very clear by grades, by um, my exams, that I'm not very book smart. I don't retain information very well. Uh, But I am, uh, I would say I would would be street smart. Uh, It's a term that my dad used. I'm a bit savvy. Um, Like I tend to be a bit more extroverted when it comes to being in a new environment. Like I'm one of the guys that would openly just go out and say hi. And like, if I need to make friends, I'll make friends. You know, like if I need to figure something out, I will go and find a way to, you know, figure it out. And so I'm savvy in that sense. Um, So yeah, my, so when I, when I started my company, um, to be honest, I've only had spent two and a half years in the oil and gas industry working for pretty, um, like, let's say, medium-sized um, oil and gas like company back home in Malaysia. Um, for me, I think that's kind of the way that I would, like, if I was to advise a fresh graduate college student, I would tell them the exact same thing. Like, if you're going to start in your career, start in a small business, one that kind of is either new or kind of needs to, you know, um, you've got to scrap a little bit because you learn a lot about the industry. And I was in a good company because they really believe in like um, one person can do multiple jobs. You know, if you if you end up in a corporate firm, you're one person doing that one specific job. 
and you you would may specialize might be the word. Um, but when I worked as an oil and gas engineer in my first job, uh, one of our projects uh, takes us out uh, south of Malaysia, and we were working in the jungles where we had to build a 30-inch pipeline that goes across the state um, from the refinery to a distribution point. And so like that job alone, I had to work not just as an engineer, but also as a supervisor. I've got to learn the different departments of um, the work, everything from engineering drawings, I had to understand, all the way down to being on site where I had to manage people as well. Um, and so it was, uh, I think that everyone who's, everyone, anyone who's starting out in a career, if you're not a specialist, if you need to kind of find your way, even if you are a specialist, I think you should start in a small business um, because it, you really have to learn very, very quickly and you grow from, and you mature from um, really fast. And so I, I, for me, that's what I would definitely that my kids do when I have kids. Um, and yeah, so that I, I learned a lot in my first job. Um, thankfully, when I started my business, it didn't take a lot to start up the business. I really just had to set up an office where I could have meetings. And how old um, were you, so Johnson, at that time? 20, oh gosh, I remember 20, 2013 is when we opened. Right, so I would have been 24. And that was your first business? Um, well, my first, well, I invested into the gym that I was working in. Um, when I first started, when I first started working in 2010, I, I was working in a local gym. I invested into that gym at 2011, okay. 2011, 2012. So I had like a very small share um, okay. and a silent role. But the first business I started, yeah, in 2013 was my oil and gas business. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it, yeah. We, all I had to do was really set up an office to have a place to have meetings. Um, oil and gas industry is a bit different from industries that we're used to uh, at this present moment. Um, a lot of, um, a lot of it requires networking, and it's about people that you know to kind of understand the projects that are coming up. Uh, and so that you can best provide the right quotations mm -hmm. to secure the job, you know? So it's about the people that you know that can give you like some, a bit of like insight information of like, this is what the budget of the project is. This is what we're trying to do and so on and so on. So um, I secured my first project in 2013, actually, um, with uh, Linus Corporation. And Linus is a really big, um, company from Australia that does uh, rare earth, um, earth refineries and quite, quite a bit of stuff. And they have a plant um, in, in Malaysia on the east coast of Malaysia. And so we did our first job out there and it was good. I think we were in the refinery for two years, two and a half years. And we did, we did well um, with them. So the first job that we got was really small, uh, really small was uh, in Malaysian ringgit, it would have been a lot. Um, in US dollars, I think it worked up to something like $25,000, $30,000 for that first project. But because we did the project really well and we finished ahead of time, 
my like when I set up my only gas business, um, the only difference that I was doing was providing a better service than than the typical uh, Malaysian work culture would. Huh. So, and how, so what I, how did you do that? What like what did you look for to make yourself yeah. differentiated? Um, I think it's because I came with such a Western mentality and work work ethic being uh, studying in the UK. So I'll give you an example. Like I'll explain to you what the Malaysian um, work culture is like. Um, in the first, uh, my first job that I worked at, we worked for uh, Petronas, which is a, you know, it's a globally known brand for oil and gas. And um, we, when you go to work, uh, your work is generally nine to five. Uh, when we work onshore uh, construction, it's usually um, eight till six. Um, but the thing is, when people get to work, they have to, they're usually late, always by like half an hour to an hour. Um, and then when they arrive, they have to go for breakfast. So that takes them an hour off their work. And then they get back to the desk. And then somewhere at around 11, they have to have a cigarette break. And then they come back to the desk. And then next thing you know, it's 12 and they go off for their lunch break and they come back to the desk at one. And then there's another cigarette or tea break that happens at three o'clock. And then another cigarette break that happens at around four, four thirty before your five o'clock closure. And so by the time you get to 5 p.m., people are getting to the desk to start work. And because they want to stay in the office between five to seven because the traffic is really heavy and they get, uh, they get counted to work as overtime. And I really hated that because it takes so long for things to get done. Um, and like when I worked, I just, I ate lunch at my desk. I, I rarely left the office and I just, I just wanted to leave at five or 5.30 because I wanted to get to the gym. So I, did, I never wanted to stay late. And I know that when I worked on my first project um, with, with this company, towards the tail end of, um, of the project, um, you go through a phase called reinstatement where you have to, uh, after you've built the pipeline, you've got to make the place look good. So some places where you dig up the land, you've got to reinstate the grass that was there in the first place, you know? And so I remember this very clearly. We had to decide on which grass we wanted to plant on the side of the roads and in the jungles where we had dug up because it needs to look natural after that. And when I had done the research and proposed the different types of grasses, I told them this is option one. It's cost-effective, it grows fast, it takes this amount of time for it to, you know, for it to grow dependent on conditions, like weather conditions and so on. Um, and it's going to cost you this much. And then there's option two, which is a different grass. And it was like, one is a cow grass, one is like a blade grass, one is a better, you know? And it took close to three weeks for them to make a decision on which grass to use. I have first had to submit the proposal and then someone, uh, someone on the client side had to check the proposal. And then they sent it back and said, there was a spelling error here, there's a this and this here, and then sent it back. And then they reconsidered it and then they asked some questions. And we went back and forth like almost every day. And three weeks later, I was like, we still don't have a decision on the grass. Can you just decide what grass you want to use? Because for three weeks, I've been sitting here talking about grass and nothing has happened. 
you know, I'm just like, just decide so I can go home. <laughs> you know, that's all I wanted. <laughs> that's all I wanted. And for, for this to happen in that three weeks, I had gone out on tea breaks and lunch breaks and cigarette breaks with different, like, you know, with the engineers from my client side, with the project controller from my client side, even up to the managers with the client side and just like, what grass do you want, you know? And so, yeah, the oil and gas industry is, a lot of it is, it's about networking and I, I wouldn't say entertaining is the right word, but you really have to sit and talk and kind of, I, I don't even call it smoothing, you know, it's just getting to know your clients and befriending them. Uh, but it's also trying to get them to understand the position you're in or helping them make the decision. So one thing I really learned from working in that environment was how to make people, like how to make people think that they came up with the idea when it really was me like proposing it to them and helping them think it was a good idea so that it could proceed with the, you know? And so I, I had started reading a lot more when I started working, you know, things of like uh, books and things regarding mentorship, leadership, negotiations and things like that. And um, yeah, it, it was ridiculous, you know, like three weeks to make it uh, come to a decision about what grass you want to plant in a jungle that nobody will see. It really didn't matter, you know, to be honest. And so um, that was the only difference I was going to do. Uh, so when I started my company, uh, it was very small. I had uh, myself and my business partner, um, one engineer, one supervisor, and one accountant. It's five of us. And my rule uh, when I was working is you don't have to come to the office unless you have a meeting or unless I'm going to have a meeting with you and I'll tell you ahead of time. But you can work from home, you can work from anywhere. The main thing, and I still apply this rule to my business, um, is as long as I don't have a headache, I know you're doing your job. But if I have to ask you a follow up or I have a headache or clients chasing after me, then I know you're not doing your job. It was mm. as simple as that. And so I gave my, my team freedom with regards to the hours that they work, where they work, how they work, as long as the work was done. And when you really put it in their hands, um, they take on that responsibility um, very well. I rarely find people that don't uh, take on that responsibility very well. Um, and I find that either they work more efficiently or they will put in more hours than is required. Um, and this is this down to individuals, um, let's say skills and talents and knowledge. For the most part, when you tell people, hey, you have the freedom of time to, to work, uh, you can work wherever you want, whenever you want, as long as the work is done, people tend to want to do the work as quickly as possible. And they want to make sure that they do it well, because one, they don't like to have the repeat back and forth of like, oh, you need to change this. Oh, okay, I'll do it. And then you, you, you get it back and say, oh, this needs to be changed. They don't like the back and forth. Plus when you tell them you can work as, uh, as however long as you want. For them, the sooner they finish work, the more they have, the more time they have on hands to do whatever they want. And so I always found that to be very effective. Often when you'll come across people who, who maybe are not very familiar with the time management. And so that's where you have to, I would say, nurture them into it um, to a certain extent. Wow. Oh, that's, there's some great lessons in there. I appreciate that. 
Yeah. Um, so now let's go into uh, switching gears into your recent business, Nirvana, mm -hmm. and health and wellness. So for the listeners, um, I've been training at Nirvana for almost 10 months, I'd say now, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but when we talk about uh, a gym, this isn't just a gym. Um, so I've been traveling around the world um, and seeing a bunch of different facilities um, within health and wellness, whether it's spas or gyms. And um, I didn't know that I was looking for Nirvana the whole time. And then as soon as I found Nirvana and I started taking the classes, I was just completely like had to unengineer my mind <laughs> from the conventional way. So for the listeners, um, Johnson, do you just want to give a little bit of foundation for like, yes, you're a gym. And when we think of a gym, what do we think in our mind, right? Like uh, some machines, uh, weights, uh, treadmills and all that. But if you go into Nirvana, you're like, where's the equipment? <laughs> so do you want to just give them like, what, what is Nirvana strength? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so Nirvana strength um, for us, for when I say us, it's me and my business partner, Ian. Um, Nirvana strength for us, um, it's our center of education. Um, for me, I'm deeply passionate about bridging the gap between um, Eastern and Western worlds. And what I mean by that is not blending Eastern and Western education. What I mean by that is making education accessible to the Eastern world. Because um, out here in the Eastern world, um, being able to get good health wellness education, one, it's very expensive. And it's uh, most of the time, it's not available. Um, so coming from Malaysia, from my experience, there were a lot of courses I wanted to take, a lot of things I wanted to learn, but I couldn't because it was not in Malaysia. And a good example of that, um, when I first started CrossFit, so CrossFit has started doing their level one, level two certifications. This was way back in uh, 2012 or 2013 when I did the cert, I think 2012. Um, and the closest place I could go to to get the certification, I had to go to Australia. Um, I ended up going to Perth because it's the closest part of Australia to Malaysia. Yeah. Um, and the cost of the flight, the accommodation, even the, let's say, um, the livability, like cost of food and things, was just so much more. It's three times more, uh, you know, in compared to a Malaysian currency. And so it's very expensive just to travel across there. And then let alone set for the course over the weekend and come back to Malaysia. And when I went to Perth, I think just to, just for finances purposes, I really just went for like four days or three day course. It's a two-day course, but I try to keep it as short as possible. But that ate, a, that ate a, quite a chunk of my salary just to do that. Um, so yeah, my passion is really to bring Western, Western education. And this is why we situated ourselves in Bali. It's because it's that, Kind of like the travel destination where both sides of the world loves to get to and so like you know if i told you like hey matt you want to come over to learn a course that you've been wanting to do and it's in bali people were like yes i want to do that course and yes i want to go and visit bali. you know so this is this is why we chose to be in bali coming back to what nirvana strength is um we the methodology that uh, we apply here um it's around rehabilitation, so injury prevention, 
we take a lot of inspiration from different um, um, facil uh, venues, facilities. We take inspiration from a lot of different sports. And gymnastics is one of the main, main sport. Um, to us, a gymnast is probably the most well-rounded athlete that you'll find. Uh, I rarely will think that you would find a fat gymnast. They're usually very lean, very muscly, very flexible, very strong in their full range of motion. And when you have access to strength in your range of motion, you reduce your risk of injury um, tremendously. So uh, a good example would be if you were walking uh, in a mall and you stepped on the banana peel and you slip like a, com like a comedy, like a slapstick comedy, you slip and you end up going to splits. You know, um, one is, do you have the range of motion to go into a split? And two, do you have the strength in the range of motion where you won't tear or pull a muscle from that happening? You know, so um, we take a lot of inspiration from gymnastics and we built, uh, and also from physiotherapy, Pilates and yoga, things like that as well. And our goal is to help the individual human um, max, uh, gain the maximum amount of range of motion while developing strength in that range of motion. And so a lot of that will require you know, body, body weight. Um, it is, a lot of it is mobility training, as you would call it. Um, I think modern day mobility training, a lot of, uh, there are a lot of uh, misconceptions. Um, so when people say, oh, I wanna, from what I understand when people, and I, I felt the same pitfall when we talk about mobility, um, we tend to think of self-massage or self-care where you're using a ball or a gun or a foam roller, um, and that's myofascial release, or you're doing some form of stretching or active stretching, um, which, which is not really mobility, you're not actually developing strength in those ranges. Um, and so what we've done is we've taken a lot of um, rehabilitation exercises from physiotherapy, Pilates exercises, gymnastics exercises, and we kind of challenge, um, challenge the individual to push their flexibility while building strength at the same time. So um, we, the classes that we offer here ranges from doing hip or shoulder mobility, which is um, quite self-explanatory. But we do things like muscle ups, we do things like handstands or stall bar, stall bar class where you work on your core or your side lever or the human flag as people would know it. Um, but from our standpoint, let's say when you're doing a handstand class, we're not just talking about working towards the skill or attaining that skill. From our perspective as a coach, we think about if you're in a handstand, you need to have a good, good body awareness. That's the first thing, right? Because now you're, you've been flipped upside down. You know, where your hips is positioned, where your legs is positioned will matter and how well you balance on your hands. But for you to even get into a handstand, you have to have good shoulder mobility. Because if your shoulder is like stuck here, you're, you're not going to do a really good handstand. You're going to arch your back and you find ways to compensate. So we think about working on getting good shoulder mobility and good range of motion for you to have a good handstand. And so that's where the inspiration from gymnastics come along. Um, we, first, we first looked at handstand on its own, and then we started breaking down what would get you to get handstand. 
and just looking at the handstand, we came up like we broke down the handstand into 47 different progressions to make sure that you develop that mobility to get towards that handstand. And so what we've done is take inspiration from different skills, break it down further, and then think about the, the mobility aspect of it, you know, the range of motion and the strength aspect of what is needed. And so what you're actually doing in the class is you're training yourself, uh, you're developing strength in your end range of motion. And a lot of the times that's gonna help you um, train and strengthen your ligament and tendons, your connective tissue as well. Um, and not just like the main muscle. So a lot of times people think I'm doing bicep curls and you're getting big biceps. We do bicep curls too, but I'm thinking of the ligaments in your biceps and that's why we do them, not about getting a huge bicep. Building big biceps, they'll come from like one inch ups instead. Wow. It's, um, yeah, it's completely different to any other gym I've been to <laughs> mm -hmm. it, from these aspects. Um, it's actually the, the only gym that I've seen consistently that many amount of like, <clears throat> not only aesthetically pleasing bodies, but also like they're healthy, like healthy bodies, you know, like there, there are like one of the things when, when you say CrossFit, I did CrossFit too, um, back in the day. And I remember I couldn't keep my arms up longer than 10 seconds. Like if I was just to do this, like pain yeah. all in my shoulders. And it's actually one of the biggest things I say to people now that like, I'm in the healthiest body I've ever been in because I've got full range of motion in my shoulders. Yeah. And nice, they, nice. they awesome. feel so good. My shoulders feel so good. Like I can remember being in a similar body like this and I was in pain, man. Like yeah. <laughs> I did not feel good in, in my body when, uh, <laughs> when I was in this body before, but now it's like, not only do I feel good, I also look good. But like, for me, I, I really want to focus on how I feel. That's really important. Yeah. And so that's something I feel like I got healthy hips now. I got healthy yeah. shoulders. Um, yeah. I don't got a sore back. I've got a nice yeah. uh, tighter core, like different yeah. to the core that I developed before through all these ligament muscles. Um, so it's, yeah. if, if you're definitely looking to um, take your body to a next healthy level, I definitely recommend checking out their gym because I, man, I, I mean, I spend so much time there now <laughs> because I'm so happy yeah. in my body. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, what what what's happening here like so take walk me through what because when you're speaking about all the stuff that you're speaking about I remember when I first heard people in your gym and yourself included speaking like this and I had no idea what you're talking about so walk me through because although I did have a um a body transformation I also had a yeah. mind transformation in there yeah. and so what talk me through like day one I show up I'm a I'm a conventional gym working out guy and I come in here and I did, this was me. I'm one, these bodies are epic. Look at what that body can do. Look at this, look at how healthy they yeah. look good. They feel good. How do we transition from conventional working out to into the way of being and what, what's that journey like? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, um, I can't uh, really explain to you what it would be like. I can only imagine it with regards to like, walking into Nirvana for the first day, because for me, it, it's always been a vision in my head. And so like, 
I've been there every day. <laughs> I don't know what walking <laughs> in the run of a feels like, but I, I definitely, we've definitely had a lot of stories shared with us. Um, uh, like you mentioned, and you'll know, um, from the first day walking into Nirvana, um, it's not uncommon to see someone in a handstand, freestanding handstand, someone, almost someone will always be either on their hands for the most part. It's not uncommon to see someone doing a front lever and that's someone who's hanging up a pull-up pull bar, uh, but they're horizontal. They're not hanging vertically, but they're actually in a horizontal position. It's not uncommon to see someone doing a full planche or straddle punch where um, it's kind of like a push-up, but you're only your hands on the ground, your feet's not touching, you know? So they're, they're amazing feats, uh, you know, there are a lot of amazing people at Nirvana for sure. Um, for us, um, we put a lot of emphasis in developing a community that is very um, open and shares the same mindset as we do. And, we really push for a growth mindset at the gym. And so it's not uncommon to be able to, uh, you know, to have someone come in and like share with you, like someone who's you maybe they see you struggling with something to come and share their experience and their expertise with you. And uh, this, this, um, this includes um, people who are high level coaches or high level athletes as well. Um, so, a lot like from our from our database, we and the people that we know at the gym, we actually have a lot of coaches who work out at our gym because they're also gaining knowledge uh, and educating themselves while they're there. So they're not there just to work out, but they're there to really learn and be immersed with the community. And this is kind of what makes the biggest difference. And this is how we're going to continue to grow because everyone's going to bring their own opinion or perspective about something um, and it's never wrong. It's just different and it's always something new to learn. And so um, that's why uh, I really love the community we've built there and we love to continue to keep growing that as well. Um, but the journey that you're talking about from being a conventional um, athlete or a bodybuilder or, you know, like a gen, like a gen, like, uh, the term I use is gen pop, so general population um, fitness enthusiast. Yeah, when you first step in outdoors and you look into gym, like you mentioned, there's no, there's no big machines or equipment. So many times people ask, where are the machines? Where's, it, where's the treadmill? Where's the this? Where's the that? And like, we don't have them. Like you, you don't, uh, you don't really need them. They're great, but you don't need them. And we're going to show you how to make uh, fitness a lifelong journey where you can do it anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Everything that you learn in our class, you can, you can do it anywhere from the park to the toilet, to the hotel room. Like you will be able to work on your health and fitness anywhere you go. And so, um, you know, Nirvana strength, we have, a, we have a, um, one of our pillars, um, for our business is community. The other is education. Uh, our goal is to not retain our clients. Our goal is to give you freedom in your in your health, wellness, and fitness. And so our goal is that for anyone who comes through our doors and attends our class, you are going to learn something every class that you attend. And you're going to be able to keep that information and help better yourself. Um, so a lot of times people, when they leave the gym, they go like, oh man, I... 
uh, and I wish that uh, there's another gym like this elsewhere in the world. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't, I know we have people talk to us and like, I don't really know how to continue my training and things like that. And really for the most part, I tell them, oh, just take a moment to think about the last two or three months that you've been here and the classes you've attended. When you have a tight shoulder, what do you do? And they say, oh yeah, I just do this to stretch and I do this to, and then I know that like, I've got to strengthen my shoulders, so I'll do this. And then I said, when you have a tight hip, what do you do? And then they go, oh, I do this, and then I'll do this, and that. And I said, so you do know what you're going to do. You just got to go and do it, you know? Um, so we've had a lot of people, and they still continually tag us, even in their, in their journeys, where um, they're getting better at their handstands. They gain a lot more function, um, you know, they gain um, range of motion, more strength, more flexibility. And they'll tag us and they'll send us these uh, testimonials about how much they've improved since they've been at home. Now, I, I, I would like to use the term uh, for what we do. Um, I would term it more as performance training. Um, and so what I mean by that is you can do what we do. You can train the way that we train and apply it to your daily function in your sport. Yeah. It doesn't really work. Um, the other way around. So uh, I'll give you an example. Um, for, for someone who does CrossFit, you know, we're both CrossFitters, so we understand. So I take CrossFit as a sport. I don't take that as training. Now, when you talk to a high-level CrossFit athlete and you ask them, hey, how do you train for your sport? You know, um, you don't just do more CrossFit to get better at CrossFit. That only takes you so far. Plus it you'll bring a lot of injuries along the way. Um, for an athlete, you will spend, depends on the level, um, how, whether, it's a, <clears throat> whether you're a professional athlete or not. A professional athlete will spend about 70 to 80% of their time actually doing the sport. And that's because that's their main income. So they spend a lot of time in that space. But the other 20 to 30% of the time, they're doing what we're doing. They're doing the mobility work. They're doing the performance training work you're doing the recovery. Um, now you take the general population, you flip that around and you should be spending 70, 80% of your time working on your performance training. And then your 20, 30% of your time is in your sport because that's leisure. It's something that you just love doing, you enjoy and you wouldn't go hard on. Um, and so the things that we work on, a lot of them like the joints, the mobile, we work on strengthening your wrist as well. Uh, which I don't know any other gym that really does that. Like I could, I could go through an hour of class on just the wrist and still not be done. And you would, you would leave the class with very sore forearms and wrists and probably a bigger forearm pump than you would if you went rock climbing. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we, we spend so much time focused around your joints to prevent those injuries from happening. And I, I'll give you an example. I don't know if you went through the same thing, but in CrossFit, a lot of times when someone first walks into the gym and they see like, oh, this is really cool. This guy is doing like a butterfly pull-up or he's you know doing a muscle-up. Like, I want to do that. It's really cool. And I, I was in that exact same boat as well. And so I jump on the bar. It's like, hey, how do I kip? And then they start teaching you how to kip. And you just think of every time you come down from the pull-up or you're going down and it goes, yeah. you know, you're just jamming at the shoulders ah. and go, Oh, yeah. your elbows, oh, your man. shoulders, it hurts. You don't feel it at the time. I, I, you don't even feel it a year in. 
because you think you're getting stronger from all the workouts that you do. Oh. But, you know, a year in, year and a half or two years in, you suddenly go, man, this is a weird thing in my shoulder. I can't yeah. figure out what's happening. You know, like yeah. I just woke up one day and it's like that. That's probably the compounding effect of like all that. And yeah. <laughs> to your yeah. shoulders, you know. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, when, when we thought of like our face, you know, um, we, you know, we think about, okay, if someone first gets off the couch after 20 years or gets off your seat from being in a desk job and they think of like, oh, I need to lose weight, I need to get in shape. The first thing they do is like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start jogging, I'm going to start running. Most people generally do that, which is great, you know, to start walking, to start getting the cardio, which is great. It's a great place to start. But think of like the years that you've not used the tendons or ligaments to that extent where you're doing high impact from like First, you have to have good technique. So I, for the most part, if you're already wearing shoes, I know that someone who's new to like running or jogging, a lot of the times it's heel striking and all that impact goes right up your ankles to your knees and to your head. And, uh, and again, that, you know, you may not feel it at first. You may not feel it in the first year or the second year, maybe three years or four years down the line, you're going, my knee hurts or like my hips kind of, or like you're having this, oh, my left shoulder hurts, but it's coming from the hip. You know, and sometimes people don't really see that. Um, but so we, we thought about this general population and we think about how when they start going out and start doing fitness for the first time, let's say, okay, it's like how prepared are their joints to take all this loading and the impact? Someone who first starts CrossFit, how prepared are they to take all this loading and impact? Someone who's progressing in their, in their CrossFit journey. So if you're going from, let's say, a kipping pull-up to a butterfly pull-up. Is their joints really, is the joints and ligaments and tendons, are they really ready for, for that work that's coming? And so we spend so much time on just doing like work around the joints to really um, strengthen your tendons and ligaments. Because when you have bigger tendons and ligaments, I guarantee you have bigger, bigger muscles. Like if you work on your tendons and ligaments, you're guaranteed a bigger bicep. That you know, like your your bicep has to keep up with your tendons and ligaments growth. You, it's kind of weird to see. Like, imagine that's your muscle, right? This is your bicep, nice, nice big juicy piece. If your tendon and ligaments grows bigger, and your bicep taste stays tiny, <laughs> it, it just it it doesn't even correlate yeah. or make sense. You know, like your bicep will grow along with that. And so, the aesthetic part of of the human body is a byproduct of the work that we do. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of time people are chasing the aesthetics. Uh, we are chasing your function and the aesthetics will come along. And so oh. your experience, your experience of like walking to Nirvana and like, like you said, there are a lot of very good looking people there. Um, that's just a byproduct of them working on their function. I mean, you, you've been around the gym and you talk to people, rarely do you, rarely do you find someone where you ask them hey why are you training or why are you doing what you're doing and they're saying man i just want to get my six pack yeah like try to find someone in nirvana that's going to tell you that. i haven't found one person yeah people will tell you like i'm just trying to get my handstand i'm just trying to get my front lever i'm just i'm just exploring movement you know like oh yeah my shoulder is bum i'm just working on my shoulder mobility i just i just wanted to get better hips because I play a lot of basketball and like my knees starting to hurt, my shoulders starting to hurt. Like I just want to get better at the sport or the function. You know? And rarely will you find someone in the gym that goes, 
oh yeah, I'm just here for my six pack. I'm doing a bodybuilding show, which is not wrong. Like we've had people who come in and like train specifically bodybuilding. Um, but at the same time, we help them gain uh, flexibility and mobility at the same time, because you I'm going to give you like two extremes. Um, think of like your bodybuilder, someone who's like super jack. And, you know, you tell like, they're super strong, which is great. And we tell them, hey, can you take your shirt off? And they're like, yeah, reach <laughs> my shirt. Yeah, and then you 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 go to the other end of it, and you have a a, a yogi who is super flexible. Like they can go into the splits, they can do pretzel and whatsoever, and they go down to splits, and then we tell them, oh, can you get out of your splits but not using your hands, just coming out of the feet? And they're like, I can't. Can you control your splits? I can't. I just can get into my split. It's like, great, you're flexible, but you're not strong. And so a lot of yogis actually come through our doors and they'll tell us like, yeah, I got hurt from doing yoga. I'm like, I don't understand how you get hurt from doing yoga. It's supposed to make you more flexible. And if you're more flexible by right, you've already reduced your risk of injury. Um, but the problem is that they're not strong. And so their muscles get pulled or they get, their muscles get tear because they don't know how to activate in your different ranges of motions like um so for us it's like how are people getting hurt from like i can understand the bodybuilder who's getting like a muscle tear from like pumping too much iron because they just don't have good range of motion but we're trying to find get this bodybuilder to like go here and just like pull off the shirt you know someone who's able to bend down and like put on pants and not have to sit down and put on pants you know and these are like two extreme ranges and we're talking about like professional athletes in that sense but when we talk about general population you know the most common things we'll see are like shoulder shoulder issues hip issues knee issues back issues and our, our goal with that is like every everyone who comes through our door even if you're a professional athlete or not we think about the longevity aspect every client uh, or every member or athlete that comes through our door my first thought is where will you be when you're 100 years old? And what would you be doing when you're 100? Like when I get to 100, I still want to be able to walk, to jump, to squat, to pick up my great grandkids. And like for me, happiness and health and wellness is walking through a forest when I'm like 100 years old with my great grandkids and like just die on the spot, right? Mm. You know, like die happy. Yeah, and so that that for me is like health and you know healthy. I don't want to spend the last five years or ten years in my bed, mm-hmm. in, in a bed and not going anywhere and just being in a room. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's uh, that's healthy and that's wellness. Wow, I uh, I love that man. I I knew I knew that uh, was part of your guys' philosophy, but I didn't know it was like that deep in it. Um, so that's really cool. Um, and for the listeners. Um, Johnson has actually trained my big toe. (laughs) I didn't know this, but I remember we were in a joint mobility class in the morning and you're like, okay, so we're going to train your big toe. I was like, we're going to train my big toe. Like, what do we do? What's, but then you started breaking it down. Well, actually uh, a, a weak toe, correct me if I'm wrong, but a weak toe is what causes knee pain which these are the type of mind bunks that you get in Nirvana. So um, I just want to echo what you're saying from a client standpoint, like you're going to university, you're not just going to the gym, you're not just 
um, like kind of becoming like almost like unconsciously working out where you don't think about your body. You're not aware of your body. You're just doing ranges uh, nonchalantly. You're really in, you're really in the gym. Um, and the culture there is amazing. Um, and something that is um, really special about what you guys do too is your whole uh, philosophy around recovery as well. I think that plays a big part in what separates you guys from a lot of other gyms that I've been to in the world is also your recovery process. Um, so that's something I really appreciate. So let's dive a little deeper into this um, health and wellness area. Um, I want to talk, I want to talk one more question about this and then moving into like practical steps people can do to yeah. start um, getting a healthier and like, like wellness, like actual full wellness in their body. Um, you mentioned uh, talking about stem cells and yeah. um, stem cell research. So actually just recently, my auntie went down to Columbia and got stem cells in her back and um, completely fixed it. And she's been jarred and she actually left work and retired early because of this. And Correct. this year in January, got stem cells in her back completely healed. What's, yeah. what's your um, research around stem cells and what, what, what excites you about it? Uh, man, stem, stem cells, um, I think you can't deny that it works. Um, it depends on the stem cells you get. Um, when I did my treatment now, I, I have not spent a tremendous amount of time researching it. I did spend time speaking to doctors about it, uh, but I, I can't tell you the exact science, but uh, I try to give you the, the basics of it. Essentially, we all produce stem cells. Uh, stem cells is what helps the body heal and grow. So uh, when we think of the baby, like a, a newborn baby, in their first year, they, they grow from this tiny little thing to this, you know, big thing. Um, a lot of that is because uh, of the stem cells. The stem cells is what's helping the body build. Um, so you imagine that not, uh, not only are they building muscles, organs, they're building bones, you know, everything. Um, so when I did my stem cell, it was from my left knee and I was on like, I was tendonitis on the verge of tendinosis, give or take. Uh, it was just troubling me a lot for me to even like walk downstairs or walk upstairs. Um, I had a lot of discomfort, even waking up in the morning, I had a, I had a big bunch of discomfort. So it was starting to affect my daily function, me being able to move about. Um, so um, when I did my stem cell work, um, my stem cell therapy, what I did was because of my age, I was still pretty young. I was still in my mid twenties. Um, I harvested my own stem cells and that was part of the procedure. I could have, I could have the option to harvest my own stem cells um, or I could have used an external source uh, of stem cells. Um, and so um, I harvested my own, I, I, have, uh, I, I harvested more than I needed so that I could use it down the line. And that's one of the beautiful thing of it. And I would advise um, those who can afford to do it while you're still young, um, harvest your stem cells and save it for down the line in the years to come because they'll freeze it. And then even when you get to 60, you still have your stem cells of like your 20 year old self and you'll be able to use that. A lot of um, professional athletes are doing this when it comes to um, um, more acute injuries nowadays. 
Um, I'm not sure what's taking so long for them to kind of um, legalize it, but I think it's more of the ethical part of stem cell, um, stem cells um, that people are not so happy with. Because if you're not using your own, um, for the most part, uh, you would be using the stem cells from umbilical cords, um, from other animals, with young animals, and things like that. Um, and there's some controversy of people saying that um, babies are being killed for their stem cells. Um, I haven't found much evidence, but I'm sure that someone would have found that somewhere. Uh, don't look in China. <laughs> ah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess it's the ethical part of stem cells, but for the most part, it works brilliantly. Um, and how it works is that uh, when you do the procedure, they have to damage that area first so that the body recognizes that this is an area that needs to be um, needs to be worked on so that the stem cells recognize that it's an area that they have to build on. And so I did a keyhole surgery in my knee. Uh, and what they did was they drilled little parts into my, uh, tiny little bits into my, um, into my kneecap to recognize that, hey, this area is damaged. And then they injected the stem cells and the stem cells go, oh yeah, this, this needs to be fixed. And so it, it builds onto that. And I can tell you that I did my procedure in 2015 or 2016. Um, and my knee has, has never been better. Like I, even till this day, I don't have any pain whatsoever. You know? And I, I feel like my left knee feels 10 years younger than my right knee. Wow. Like I literally walk around and I move and I feel like my left knee feels amazing. My right knee feels great. It feels a little squeaky, but it feels great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my left knee feels amazing. And you know, like uh, I, I, I think that if you can afford it and you can find someone who's good, um, do it if you have something that, um, that's been bugging you for a long time, especially if it's a joint thing. Um, like I'm fortunate because in Malaysia, the hospital that I went to, which is the Kuala Lumpur Sports Medical Center, um, the doctor that leads um, the stem cells, he's one of the pioneers and like he, um, he's one of like the key researchers and like he's at the forefront of uh, stem cell research and application um, globally. And so, um, it was great to have that conversation with him to understand how this, how it works. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was also like, it was also a risk on my part because not many people were doing it. Uh, and I was also thinking, do I really need a surgery for something that's like not major, you know? Mm. Um, but I honestly have no regrets for it. I think that while you're young, as long as you're like 30 and below, I would say go and harvest your stem cells, save them for the years to come I have. And I know that when I get older and if I break a bone or whatever happens, like I am getting the stem cells out and healing that shit. Wow, that is so cool. Um, I Correct me if I'm wrong, but the stem cells, don't don't they stop fully reproducing or like around, around age 20? Um, no, um, no. And the older you get, it's kind of like Bitcoin. The longer you get, there is a life on your stem cells. I'll put it that way. The older, the older you get, uh, you produce less stem cells for sure. Okay. Um, and so that's why that's why I recommend that. Like, 
at age 30, probably no later than age 30, but yeah, the earlier you get it, the better. Um, your body still produces stem cells, but tremendously less. I don't know the numbers or the percentages of my head, but definitely um, the, the difference between, um, I can't remember the word right now, it's not coming to me. Um, and the difference between when you're a kid and you, you're still, when you can still grow. And so, you know, sometimes you have, uh, for kids, you have to suddenly, like from one year to the next, they have to sudden like gain it. Right, yep. yeah. Yeah, um, that's kind of like, after that happens, you're more or less, your stem cell production starts to reduce. And this is why like when kids get injured, they heal really quickly. Like if they, if you broke, like if you were 12 years old or 18 years old, you know, like if you're 12 years old and you broke your arm versus if you were like 24 and you broke your arm, the healing process is very different. Yeah. It's a lot faster when you're 12. It's just because you have a lot more stem cell production. You definitely lose a bunch um, as you as you get older, um, but you still have stem cells that are being produced just a lot less. And, um, you know, when, when you get to the age of like, 60, 70, 80, you don't want to really be harvesting the stem cells. We want it to take a really long time. Like you, you could be sitting in the bed for, I don't know, I guess two or three days versus like a few hours. Like I did my harvesting over a span of like three hours or something like that. But if I was 60, it might be like two days. Wow. But wow. I also want to make sure that I keep all that stem cells in me because I need that for my own healing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you can do it when you're younger, I highly recommend that. That's cool. That's cool advice. I, <clears throat> I, I don't, I think I'm past the point where I can harvest my own or, um, I, I don't know the exact science. I would definitely talk to the doctors about that, okay. but I think if you still, you still have a chance, like you're still young, you know, yeah. but I think that uh, you should, you should do, if you can do it and it doesn't cost that much to, um, if I, I'm going to try to remember the numbers correctly, but something like $2,000 or less. Huh. Yeah, it really doesn't cost that much. And then, you know, like to store it for the first five years, then every, every five years or so, you just pay like a storage fee. Yes. <laughs> not even, a, not even like a hundred bucks, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's that's so interesting. I had I had no idea about um, all this with stem cells. I didn't even know you got stem cells, so that's cool. And I yeah, did not many know, people do. I didn't know you could harvest them, so that's really cool. That's something that um, I'll have to look deeper into uh, later on. So let's get into like a practical aspect of this conversation as we're coming to the end of the the chat. Um, I think for a lot of people right now, um, the information that you have regards to rehabilitation and uh, exercise and all that, um, what are some, so say, for example, I'm a listener right now, and I heard what you were talking about. I'm like, wow, you know what? I've been working pretty conventionally. I didn't even think of these aspects of working out. What could be my first step? Um, would you leave them to some information? Would you leave them to your stuff? How, how could I start applying and looking at my body differently in terms of uh, health and wellness and longevity? Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, the, the first step would always be to understand your values and making sure that you are working towards those values. 
So I'll give you an example. When I was doing CrossFit, my values at that time was I want to compete and I want to win competitions. And so I would spend a lot more time doing CrossFit to work towards that. Um, over time, those values changed for me. Um, I no longer want to compete. I want to live to 100, walk in the forest uh, with my great grandkids and die happy doing what I love doing. Um, and so I think of that longevity aspect of it. Now, for, for a conventional athlete, or I, I would use the term general population, um, you have to first understand why you're doing what you're doing. Like, why do you want to lose weight in the first place? Why do you want to look good in the first place? Is it because you're trying to gain attention on a certain female? Is it because you want to get married? Is it because you, you feel, you, you know, you need to gain energy? So understand why. Um, and it's a deeper conversations that we generally will have with individuals to help them understand what, what they, why they're doing what they're doing. I think um, everybody should really spend some time reflecting on, on that and understanding their values at the end of the day. Um, but a, yeah, a good place to start is understanding why you're doing what you're doing. Um, an um, easier place to start is first recognize what are pain points or problems that you have, you know, um, because we, we get so used to doing what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis that sometimes we don't even recognize that it's an issue anymore. So some, like, it's not uncommon for us to find, like, to have a conversation with someone who says, like, yeah, I've had this shoulder injury for years and I just kept training and pushing and it's just, it's just normal, it's there. But like, hey, if you got an, if it's an injured, it's, it's not normal already, you know? Like if you have this um, dull ache or dull pain that's there every day, that's not normal, you know? Um, so sometimes it's hard for people to recognize um, even, you know, like you were mentioning like uh, earlier on, if you just had your hands up here, and you think of like, I can hold this for 10 seconds. And if that's just all you've been able to do for the for your whole life, you'll just think of like, this is normal. Mm -hmm. 10 seconds is normal, you know, like this is normal range. And then it doesn't come to a point, it, you know, it's only until you come to a point where you see someone do this, and just like, wow, wait a minute, that's that's not my shoulders are not normal? Like, or is that person not normal? So I think um, one of it is also understanding. Um, what are pain points that you may be struggling with? Um, I'm sure that everyone always has something to work on. There isn't a perfect human in the world, no perfect human body. Um, and um, so, yeah, recognizing these two things will give you a lot of direction of like where to start. Um, for those who are not able to access Bali at the moment, we have a online membership um, platform where you can uh, gain, uh, where you have access to the classes that we teach, uh, focused around shoulder mobility, hip mobility, handstands, and things like that. So those are great starting points as well. Um, and we've had people had good results from the classes online as well. Um, so you can find that at uh, online.nivanastrength.com. Um, yeah, but for, for the most part, I think, um, at some point or another, um, where where we are positioned, we 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 have a few different types of 
avatars that kind of walk through our doors or discover us. One, it's people who are already struggling with something and they need help with it. So if you've already got like shoulder pain or hip pain or back pain, um, we tend to find um, clients come to our doors saying, telling us, like, hey, I've got this issue. The other is um, where someone who's spent quite a bit of time in the fitness industry or someone who's been exercising for quite a while and they, they come through our doors realizing like, hey, this is exactly what my body needs. Like I've kind of been beating it up over the last 10 years and it just needs this like self-care, you know, like it needs this work. So, yeah, I mean, we've, we've had people, like we've had yoga instructors who's been practicing and teaching for 20 over years come through our doors and tell us, wow, I've never stretched that way before. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I get mind blown by that because like, I don't understand. Like, I think you do a whole lot more stretching than I would ever do uh, over your last 20 years, especially. But, you know, being told that you've never stretched that way before, it's, it's pretty interesting, you know? So I think there's always a lot to learn. Um, yeah, the starting point is different for everyone. Um, it really is recognizing what you want to achieve at the end of the day. Uh, and also recognizing that um, if you are pursuing a certain sport, your uh, increased risk, you have an increased risk of injury. And if you are, prof- um, if you are pursuing a sport professionally, um, you also have a um, higher chance of dying early. Not, not, in, not in a bad way, but like, because you, you're beating up your body so much, like you need to have time to give it that care. And this is why you see athletes, um, you know, they will play the sport in their prime, somewhere in their like mm-hmm. 20s to 30s, maximum 40s, but they'll never go beyond that. You know, like there's always some outliers here and there, but um, after that, like they have to retire because it's just so much wear and tear on the body. Mm-hmm. Huge amount of wear and tear. Um, and I give you a good example. I always come back to CrossFit because I spend so much time in it. But uh, you can see a lot of um, athletes, like high-level competitive athletes, their body starts to degenerate. Uh, I don't know if the right way to generate, but their body starts to regress. And you'll see all the signs of like how much toll the sport has taken into the body. Um, I'll give you some examples. Um, Ara Webb, she's one of the top female athletes. Um, she's somewhere in her late 20s or early 30s, I can't remember now, uh, and she has to wear braces. You know? I, now, I don't know if it's, she's having an issue with the teeth or something, um, but it's a sign that the body's degenerating somewhere, and it's a telltale sign that when you have to wear braces at a later age. Now, I don't know if she had an issue way before that she's never dealt with, and that's why she's wearing it, but she had to. Uh, rich proning that everyone knows as well. Um, he had to wear braces after he's competed, uh, after he retired from his individual competition. And that's like, you can see the, you know, um, he's also balding. So these are signs of degeneration. Um, and it's just wear and tear on the body. Like it's just, it's put in so much work that uh, the body just needs time to heal. Um, yeah, so I think nowadays when you talk to these uh, athletes who are retired, you ask them about, hey, what's your uh, what's training look like for you in your uh, now that you're retired? Um, 
it's very different. It's a lot more to what we do. Um, they're not so high intensive. They spend a lot more time on mobility. They spend a lot more time outdoors, a lot more time being active um, versus going after workout, after workout, chasing the weights, chasing the times, you know. Um, so really it is coming down to recognizing what is important to you and what health and wellness means for you. Um, and then taking the steps needed to get there. Um, having good, smart coaches is super, super important. Um, I always believe that um, any gym can be great. Um, you really need to have a good, smart coach. Like any program can be great, but uh, you have to have a good, smart coach that is thinking about you and not about how can I create a program that's going to you know, beat the shit out of you. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so I, I'm a big proponent for uh, individual programming, individual design programming. Um, what that means is I really believe on one-to-one coaching because that way everything that is programmed for you is just for you and your needs. Now, going to class is great. Um, a lot of people really like attending classes, which I think is great, and you get a lot out of it, especially um, at the Mana Strength. Like, whatever that you end up doing in our classes will benefit you regardless because we're always making you work at your furthest range of motion as much as possible. And so you will always be challenged by that. But if you're going to regular group fitness classes, like for example, Zumba, body combat, and things like, yeah, you're getting a good sweat, but what you're, the things that you're doing in there may not necessarily be benefiting you. You know, if you're doing bicep curls and you've already got good biceps and you're already strong in that range. That's not really much point in, apart from gaining more strength in, in that exercise. Um, but you could rather use that time to work on like pull-ups where you're weak and you need to, you know, like you're getting shoulder pains from just having weaker back muscles. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, a lot of it is coming down to knowing what your value is at the end of the day. Uh, and having a good coach that will be able to guide you and direct you towards um, towards your goals. Amazing, man. Um, yeah. So uh, for the listeners, I'm uh, I've been training off, like I said, for about ten months, and I I am actually I think you for at least for myself, I needed to learn all this type of movements. But my favorite day, actually, that I'm at the gym, I do it pretty consistently. I go in on Saturdays, and I, I, I think I started doing this back in March. So I've been doing this about three months, two months now, is I can go in there and intuitively work my body now. So yeah. I go in there, I, I grab all the, all the little bits, like the bands, the bars, the, the PVC pipes, the weight, because I basically collate all the classes and I do like, I I call it my cat workout and I just get into all the little places that throughout the week, they just kind of build up and I release them. And it's like, I get the best feeling in my body. And I love that day. It's like my favorite day to be in Nirvana. And so (laughs) I, I call it like you do, you, you do all the, there's a lot of non-sexy movements (laughs) in the John in Nirvana um <clears throat> that actually lead up to you just feeling better sitting in a chair or you just feeling yeah. better walking like all these things that you don't think that you need to train or that you would add to that but then it's like training yeah. with intention so 
Um, yeah. I really appreciate that um, and you speaking. So we're going to just move into the last round here. Is it called the lightning round? Where I'm just going to ask you yeah. a couple of questions um, that uh, are like uh, interesting. I asked at the end for every guest. Um, and so, yeah, yeah answer them within like two to three sentences. Um, if you, or however much you want. I talked to the guy last time. He said, dude, I don't, I don't speak in lightning. I can't speak in lightning. <laughs> took about the lightning yeah. round, took about 25 minutes. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so Johnson, what's your okay. favorite uh, app before, on before we jump into that? Yeah. Hold on. Before we jump with that, I just want to touch very quickly on the, on the bit um, that you mentioned at the end. Uh, you said at Nirvana, there are not a lot of sexy movements. And it's true. I think that um, you have to build a very good foundation, right? Foundational work is never sexy. Um, you know, like doing planks, like everyone can do planks. It's not a sexy thing, but it really does help a lot. Um, I think that when I have clients, you know, I have the conversations where they ask like, hey, where's all these like cool stuff that I want to do? Like I wanted to, you know, my goal was to do this, but we're not working on it. And yeah, I always tell them that, a good program is not sexy. You have to earn sexy. Uh -huh. You really have to earn your sexy moves and stuff. Because if you don't have good foundation, if you don't move well, I'm never ever gonna give you something that's gonna, you know, that's gonna be high risk of injury. And so you have to earn your sexy movements. And I'm glad that uh, you you brought that up and you you know you recognize that movements are not sexy, but like it's not, but it will definitely pay off and you would definitely be very sexy after that, I promise you. <laughs> That's what's cool. Over the long term, sexy is the byproduct of these movements. Yes. Yeah, it um, is. But initially it's like I can remember doing the one where um you're on the you're you're on the side and your hip, your one leg is like it's like scissored or whatever. And yeah. um one of the, one of your coaches asked me to lift my leg up and so I was like seeing her do it and I saw how high her leg got and I was like okay nice never yeah, done this yeah. move in my life before <laughs> I went to go tell my hip and that's the first time I was like wait no 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 I'll get it <laughs> and it wasn't working like my leg wouldn't lift I'm like what how how have you given me something in my body that I've never done before I like I consider myself like you know I did yoga and all this stuff but like I, I literally signaled to that part of my body, do this movement, and it didn't move. And then I actually started laughing after that. I was like, wow, it's like my second class or third class there. I was like, man, yeah. I've got some places to work on my body now. Like, this is cool. It inspired mm -hmm. me. I, that's, it was an inspiring yeah. moment for me to be like, dang, yeah. like I, I got some work ahead of me. And it's a lot of non-sexy yeah. work. But later down the line, when we talk about this longevity, it really helps. Um, so thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. So let's move into can the you lightning. Lift your leg now? Yeah, yeah. I can. I do it every yeah, time before I do uh, before I warm up. Uh, it's my warm up now. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the movement that I work on the muscle to help me with my squats. So it's it's awesome. I love it. And all and the uh, on the bar too. Uh, the the hanging shoulder stuff to awesome. warm up. So all these like little movements that I do to warm up before going into my movements. So I appreciate them. Um, it's awesome. So let's start this lightning round. What's your favorite app? It. What's your favorite app on your phone? Ooh, favorite app on my phone apart from YouTube. 
yeah. um, actually recently I got into this app. Um, it's called Seconds, and uh, I, I got into it because I did the Dylan Werner's uh, breath workshop a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so what Seconds does is I'll pull it up real quick so I can show you. Um, it's a timer essentially, but it allows you to program things out um, completely. And so what I've done is I, I've got an athletic breath um, sequence down there. Um, and I click into that and I've got everything programmed out. So oh, that's cool. to seconds. And so it's just a continuous program of different, like it'll remind me like breathe, uh, inhale, exhale, hold my breath, inhale and things like that. And it oh, just wow. has like, yeah. So I've been really, uh, I've been doing this um, at least two or three times a week now post-workout. Um, this recovery breath sequence particularly has been really good. One thing I, uh, I realized um, over the past year or two, um, I had uh, two years ago, I had like a weird back injury thing that you know about that I've mentioned to you before. Mm -hmm. And after that, I noticed my breath has kind of not been as great. Like I'm not able to take as deep of a breath as I was able to before that I remember, uh, especially in the competitive days. And so I found that things were kind of a bit sticky. And so um, yeah, doing the breath workshop was a really big help. And now I'm incorporating, putting more thought into my breathing and like expanding my lungs and getting the muscles to really open up more. And that's been a big help. Like it's improved my sleep tremendously. Well, yeah, that's one of a big change for me. That's awesome. Um, I will have to chat about that off camera at a deeper level. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in that. Um, so yeah, the next sure. one uh, is, what's your most gifted book that you give to people? Uh, um, I have a few. Uh, it depends on where they are in the journey. Um, I think understanding masculine and feminine, I would say uh, the way of the superior man is something that has deeply uh, impacted me um, for my understanding between masculine and feminine. It's really important for a, for a coach to know the difference of masculine. I mean, it really helps with the communication and understand the relationship. Um, so I think everybody should uh, should grab a copy. It's like I'm not sponsored by by this author in any way, but yeah, I think it's a very good book. Um, when it comes to relationships, because um, I'm I'm newly married, and I've always had a I've always been fascinated relationships um so if you're talking about a relationship with uh with your immediate partner whether you have a partner or you're seeking a partner or you have a partner now um this book is called his needs her needs okay um and i can't remember the author i have the book in storage at the moment his needs her needs i'll look it up for you um i really like that um a book that i'm reading right now that i would definitely recommend um, for those who are, um, for, for anyone really, is um, the title. Um, I think it's called Tribe by Tim Ferriss. Mm -hmm. uh, and what he's done is essentially uh, what, what we're kind of doing now, where he has his, uh, he has this thought out questions, like seven to 10 thought out questions that he sent to top um, high performing, high performing uh individuals in the world and just have them reply and he's just compiled it all into this one book and so you're learning you're learning a lot of experiences from 
these amazing people that everyone, almost everyone would know. Things like Kristen Kutcher, um, Rich Froning, like you, you've got all these like actors, actresses, um, big uh, corporate CEOs all in there. Uh, and if they're sharing their experience, like the books that they give away, um, one like one failure that they've that um you know that they've learned a lot from, and all these things. And I've been really enjoying that read a lot because like it reminds like I get to look into the minds of like how some of the, uh, these top CEOs they give away their tips, you know, like uh, decision making and things like that. Uh, and that gave me that just that book alone gave me about a thousand books that I have to read now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, so I've been really, I've been really enjoying that. Uh, I've been reading that before bed every night. So. That's a great book. I've uh, looked yeah. into it. I haven't read it. Oh, I just skimmed through a couple pages, but I yeah, thought it was a, a great a, book. Yeah, it's a very simple book that I don't think you have to put too much uh, focus into it. But mm -hmm. the from what you learn from it, it's it's a lot. You know, especially if you're. Uh, you're aspiring in your career or even if you're a CEO or you, you own your own business, you, I find that I've learned a lot from it. It, gives, it makes me want to look into the, the other books that they recommend and things mm. that they've suggested as well, yeah. That's cool. Okay, so last one. Um, what's a recent habit you've developed that's benefited your life in the last six months? Ooh, um, definitely the breathwork stuff. Um, I wouldn't call it a habit, but um, definitely the breathwork stuff has been a big impact for me. Um, I've, I've always been a learner. I always like um, learning something new, and I've always believed that reading has a huge impact for me. Um, but my problem is I'm a slow reader. And so uh, I actually uh, picked up a speed reading course, which has helped me a lot as well. Um, and so I think that uh, if you're someone who's you know, who's looking to learn a lot more. Reading is definitely a big part of that. It's really important to pick up a speed reading course or learn how to speed read because uh, at the rate that I read, I would read a book once every two months. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, like it, it takes me, you know, even if I put like a good effort into it, it takes a really long time. Uh, let me see. On this course, they mention it. Uh, on average, a person would spend something like close to three hours a day reading something, whether it's on their device or a book, reading emails, reading social media, blah, blah, wow. blah. And that's on average, like three, almost three hours a day. But when you, when you work on speed reading, you could save an hour a day. And if you're saving an hour a day, I don't know if it's an hour a day, an hour a week. I think I messed it up. Um, hour day, hour week, but at the end of it, like in a year, you would save nine weeks of time. Wow. You would, you would gain back nine weeks from just speed, learning how to speed read, even if you just double the average speed reading rate. You would gain back nine weeks of time that you could do almost anything else that you want with that nine weeks of time. And so that for me was like, you know, mind blowing. I was like, it's true. I am a slow reader because I really need to take time to understand what I'm reading. But if I just speed up my reading speed, I would gain back so much more time to, to do a lot more with that. So um, I picked up a speed reading course um, and I'm really enjoying that. I'm still, I'm still in the course at the moment. I have like a week left to go. Um, and I think, I think that uh, that is something that I would also share as like my advice down the line um, for someone 
uh, or for college graduates or whatever, you know, like speed reading is important. It's it's a skill. Um, I wouldn't call it a skill anymore. Like the way that I explain it, it's more like it's training the muscle. Mm-hmm. And it's just the part of the muscle that I haven't trained. And so it's been challenging me a lot. I think it's really important to get into that as well. Oh, this is great, man, because uh, I remember talking to you when you um, uh, first purchased the course. So it's yeah. cool to hear your feedback. Um, it's something that I've tapped a little bit into, but um, I've never stuck with it. So maybe this is something I got to look into as well. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to look back at the stats. I, I only can remember, but I, I remember specifically at the end of it that the point of the point of uh, it was that he mentioned that in in a year you would gain back nine weeks of time by just wow. doubling your speed reading, like doubling your reading speed. And wow. it's not uh, not difficult to double it uh, unless you're already a very fast reader. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, nine weeks of time, and I would use that to vacation, <laughs> you know, travel <laughs> and explore and adventure, do more reading. Wow, yeah, that's a lot of time that you lose in a year from just reading emails and social media that that actually doesn't provide a way to. Wow. Well, Johnson, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Just before we leave, do you want? Um, I know that you mentioned your online membership program. But is yeah. there a way that people can connect with you, connect with what you guys are doing in Nirvana? What's the best way to connect? Yeah, uh, I think Instagram is the best way. We're most active that way. Um, I am doing my best to be better with my social media game. Uh, and my wife has been helping a lot with that as well. But um, if it's like messages on social media, or like on my Instagram, I generally will reply. Um, so you can find me at Johnson Tan on Instagram and that's J-O-N-S-O-N-T-A-N uh, or you can find us at Nirvana Strength on Instagram that's awesome man well Johnson this has been a pleasure uh, I learned stuff about you that I didn't learn or that I've never <laughs> known about you today and that's why I wanted to do this um, yeah. I, yeah so I appreciate you taking the time sharing your wisdom and for the listeners I definitely, definitely recommend going and checking out their, their stuff. Like what, what you guys are doing at Nirvana is really progressive. I think you guys are, uh, you got a very unique approach and I'm really, really excited to see the future of Nirvana where, what you guys are creating and bringing into the market. I, I genuinely believe from, from a customer standpoint or a client standpoint, you guys are going to completely changed the industry and you're at the forefront of that. So it's, it's exciting to be in the ethos and in the, uh, yeah. the community of it and the heartbeat. I'm in the heartbeat of it right now. So yeah, it's an exciting yeah, time. Dude, for thanks thanks yeah. for being a part of the community and playing such a big role with us as well. Yeah. We hope to be in a country near you. <laughs> yes. That would be cool. Uh, give me a reason to go to another Epic. And of course you guys are going to pick another Epic place. So it would be it'd be the deal breaker for me to go live in another place it's like well what about the facility because it plays so much into my life um yeah i mean like i said it's it's legit the only other place i'm there as long as my home so yeah (laughs) it's a big part all right guys thanks again thank you johnson for coming in and uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode